think I just realized though that there's so much more at stake than I thought. And what I am called to do is something that I can't do at a company, a single company anymore. And I realized I can't delay my dreams anymore. It's, I cannot delay my dream. Created for the MAPE community by the MAPE community. Left Unsaid is a podcast where we speak our truth, celebrate our talents, tell our stories, and explore what matters most to us. It's time to leave everything on the table and make sure nothing is left unsaid. Love the horn entrance. Welcome to another episode of Left Unsaid. I don't, this is, she's a repeat guest. She's coming in by herself. She's got a lot to talk about. I'm super excited. We're going to go all over the map. We're going to talk about MAPE. We're going to go deep. We're going to talk about all the things she's been doing. Jez, go ahead and reintroduce yourself to the listeners. Carl, you've probably heard this before, but you have a perfect podcast voice. (laughs) Just side note. (laughs) My name is Jez Chung. Thank you, Carl and MAPE, for having me. Y'all are part of the fam. Been part of the MAPE fam for a while, so it's nice to be back. I, you know what, I'm, I just rewrote my bio um, in a journal exercise the other day. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna share that because I am constantly reinventing nice. myself. Okay. Let's so hear it. my newest bio is Jez Chung is a poet, philosopher and performer working with creative communities to facilitate cultural transformations. Wow. Okay. I like it. Powerful, short, sweet to the I'm point. I'm trying it on. Okay, how's it feel? You're trying it on. How's it feel? It feels. It feels like for the first time, I'm not afraid of my bigness. Oh, I didn't realize we were gonna get that deep that quick. Even before <laughs> the red, yellow, green check-in, we're going what in. You expect, Carl? I, I mean, you know, you're right. I should have. I should have known. I should have known. All right. Wow, you're accepting your bigness. Yeah. Like for the first time in my life, I'm like, you know what? I'm not afraid of how big I am, which is, you know, that's not something I've been able to say before. But now at this point in my life right now, I'm going to be big. Okay. Wow. And I, you you be big. And I'm about to ask you, because I don't know, it's about to be some big colors. Let's do the color, the red, yellow, green check in here. Because, you know, how, how you, how you coming in big? What big colors do we have? You know what? We got some some blue for the throat chakra, communication. Okay. But, you know, for to fit your red, yellow, green, I'm coming in at a green. But I'm coming in at a green that has a lot of red and yellow mixed in there. Mm. But be, I've built off the red and yellow, mixed those colors together, and created the green. Okay. Okay. They yeah. all can live in the same place at the same time. That that's yeah. that happens, right? <laughs> Multiplicities, and, yes. No, no. Uh, so let's okay. You're, you're accepting your bigness now. Let's 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 backtrack. How did, let's talk about how you got to this place where you're now accepting your bigness. And because mm. this is a mate podcast, mm-hmm. we can start at mate, or you can start before. Mm. Mm. Well, I was born in. No, I'm just okay. kidding. Um, <laughs> Well, on actually, honestly, my uh, being raised in the South had a huge influence mm-hmm. on me. Uh, I was born in Georgia and Texas, and UT Austin was where I discovered the MATE program. I discovered it through, I was in a thing called Texas Advertising Group, and you, I was really fortunate looking back and that I went to a school that had such a strong ad program because it showed me that that was a possibility. And uh, I applied through MAPE. Um, I think I looked back on my application video not too long ago, and it was just me running around Austin, dancing in front of the camera, like, hi, this is what I like to do. So wait, we didn't actually cover your MAPE year, but since you had the video, it had to be after 2012. 2013. 2013. 2013. Yeah, and I interned in Chicago. One of my best friends to this day was in my MAPE group. There were about 12 of us in Chicago. Um, we had the best, oh, the best summer there. Yeah, that was, I mean, I guess to, to how I got, yeah, to how I got to MAPE, I think during that time, I was really searching for things to 
uh, help me discover my identity or really help me put language to my identity even because I was so lost. It was around the time where I was just beginning to embrace my Asian American identity, really understanding that I can be both Asian and American and I can be proud of that. Uh, to be both Korean and American. And MAPE was one of the places, the, one of the very first places where I went and I realized, oh, I can make a career and also be myself. I don't have to change. I don't have to dress different or look different or act different, speak different. I can just be me. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's a, It's cool and it's all too... Um, it's not frequent enough. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Where you can feel that way, right? And man, I'm just, I'm just like blown away that like Mape helped you get there. Yeah. But I'm also, but also not because I, I know the power of Mape. So yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, how that's true for so many Mapers that it helps. It's almost like a a permission slip, mm. and in the form of a community because. You know, and that's something I've really learned. I think I first learned about the power of community through dance because I started dancing when I was 16 and um, I was on dance teams and then I joined dance crews. And that taught me when you are around people who support you doing something that you love, whether that be dancing or pursuing a career, a creative career, it is so powerful so being part of that MAPE cohort in Chicago and then going to Face of Talent, which that was such a beautiful week. Oh, my gosh. That that was magical. That was a, a week of just pure magic. And then after that, that led me to Add Color Futures. So I did um, MPMS, Most Promising Multicultural Students, AF, MAPE, and Add Color Futures all in the okay. same year. And the looking back, year. like... Wow. That those three really, really, really set me up. Okay, that's a lot in one year. It was. It was. I think it was. So twenty. I think it was the second class of futures or so. The timing was great and all that. Yeah, because what well, didn't didn't um, MPMS happens in like February back yeah, then, right? Fe- and then yep. summertime February, was May, summer, and then, then September. color would be September. Yeah, yep. you just like hit all the seasons. You hit all the, all yep. the marks. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you have this like amazing year in 2013, both going through all these programs, finding uh, that you can be yourself and also have a career where that the two don't really aren't in, you know, contention with each other. So after you do MAPE or MPMS MAPE, Ag Color, what's your next stop to, to accepting your bigness? (laughs) So... (laughs) During the face of talent, I was looking at apartments in New York. I was going on interviews from just the connections I had through either MAPE or through UT. And some voice in me just said, Jez, go to LA. Mm. Go to LA. And I talked back to that voice and I said, (laughs) yeah, but we don't know anyone in LA. (laughs) We don't know anyone. And there aren't, the advertising industry isn't as big over there. Why would we go to LA? But um, I think I really wanted to keep dancing and Uh, all the best dance studios that there, the major dance studios that people go come from all over the world to train at. So I said, even if I'm not going to pursue a dance career, I want to continue that. So I moved to L.A. and it was through the uh, futures program when Sally, I was talking to Sally and Sally Sands, everybody. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to Mm -hmm. Sally. And. Uh, I just told her, hey, can you just book my flight one way? So, so I already, I guess I had already gotten a ticket there. So I went there. I interviewed. Um, this isn't something I, I I haven't shared often, but I was interviewing and I got an offer from a media agency as like a, you know, junior media strategist mm-hmm. or something. Ju- no, junior media planner. Okay. And then at the same time, I got an offer um, from... Uh, media arts lab as an Mm. assistant account executive. So I had wanted a job in strategy. That was what my MAPE internship was in. And then I decided I couldn't, it was hard to find a strategy job, junior position. Yeah. Yep. And then um, I started working at media arts lab, but 
I was like, oh, do I go into media planning or account management? Mm. And in retrospect, I don't know if I would have lasted in uh, media planning because um, numbers and I, I just don't do well with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems, you know, that the decision to go to be on the account side, right? And for those who don't know, Media Arts Lab is part of the TBWA network and is pretty much handles TBWA's Apple business. Yeah. Which as we know, it could be quite grueling. Yes. Right? It and was, intense because yeah. the, the perfection is what mm, they expect. Yep. Right? I learned all about uh, the importance of detail there. Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. But while you were there, um, you made a kind of a career switch while you were at TVW. I did. Art Media Arts Lab. Right? I did. And so when I... I jumped into that job, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, fresh out of, fresh out of college, just graduated thinking, oh my gosh, I have a full-time job. Like I'm, and this is, you know, I'm working on Apple. This is, this the is dream. a dream job, yeah. right? Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, I have to prove myself because, you know, imposter syndrome is just like, it comes with the territory of being, uh, a person of any non-dominant identity coming yes, into the industry, yes, but also does. for so many people too, when you're just out of college, you're thinking, do I belong here? Oh my gosh. Did they make a mistake? Oh no. Is this <laughs> oh, a fluke? No. Ah. So I poured myself into that. I was working like a hundred hour weeks for the first year. Come again. 100 hours a week. And I, sorry, like my, sorry, my, I think my, my mic, time I think said. My, my, my headphones went out. <laughs> That time. What, what, what yeah, I would, I, as soon as I get up, I'd start emailing like seven, eight in the morning. And then I'd be at the office until like some midnight most nights. And then wow. no holidays, weekends, going in. You're not really selling the stream job that much. <laughs> just, just put it out there. But I, you know, I, I guess it was also a lot of fun. I will uh, say because okay. I met my best friends there. Mm. So, I mean, you know, and when I guess like you're just starting out, it's, yeah, you know, I'm just, I, I, I had the time to do that, I guess. Yes, so. <laughs> but I, yeah, that's where, but I also burnt out really, really quickly mm. in my career because of that. I, I think, you know, in a, there's been so many times throughout my career where I've gotten that voice, whether it be was, you know, be Go moving to LA. To, to LA or, Hey, Jess, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. I would hear that often. So I started hearing that because um, I saw the trajectory of, okay, what do I do? Do I do, do I become an account executive and then an account supervisor and then account director and then a managing director? But I don't want to do any of that. Like that, that doesn't <laughs> sound like anything that would be aligned with what I want to do. It doesn't sound fun for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I, so I, I think I just, I kind of put an intention out there. I, I want to do something more creative. And then um, this is a story I've shared so much with the MAPE community. So if you're listening to this and you've heard this so many times, I hope I can say it a little different Don't this fast time. forward. Just listen again. <laughs> Never hurts to hear it again. Yeah. I, I, um, I think, and the things that helped me, I think, in retrospect were just making it clear what I, what I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed dancing. I enjoyed making videos. I enjoyed writing. So I would, you know, and and as account manager, project manager um, is what, you know, that most uh, account people at Mal are, were also project manager at the the time I touched every piece of the business. So when I was working with the writers and I knew what was on their plate and I knew what was coming up in the pipeline, because I would get it from the client, I would just be proactive about it. And I'd be like, Hey, I wrote some lines. You don't have to take these. Um, you can do with them what you will, but I know you're super slammed. I know you're really busy. So uh, if you want to take any of these, you know, go ahead. I just really enjoy writing. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I just, you know, sl- slid it, slid it by. Slide it in there. Just, the yeah. Okay. I see what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and then it was, I guess, uh, holiday it was around the holidays and the manager managing director had a holiday party and invited the whole department over. And while we were there, I was talking to his wife. Cause at the time I was in, you know, assistant account executive. I didn't really know like the upper senior management. 
I didn't get FaceTime with them. I was talking to his wife and then she said something about Beyonce and I had just made this uh, 7-Eleven music video remake with my friends, my dancer friends, and I had, you know, shot and edited it on my iPhone. And I showed her, I was like, oh, I just made a Beyonce music video actually. And she's like, well, let me see. So I showed it to her. She calls over the managing director, like, oh my gosh, you got to see this. Then the managing director calls over the president of the agency who also happened to be there. And he's like, oh, you have to see this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am upside down on the wall twerking in this video. I, what if they fire me? What if they think this is on, you know, quote unprofessional, yeah, which yeah. <laughs> I don't subscribe to anymore. I don't believe in, you know? So, um, so I guess, yeah, I, she, the president at the time, she, really championed women at the agency. Um, so that was another thing in retrospect, the timing and of things um, helped out. And she said, you know, I think you're in the wrong department. Mm. And I told her, please help me. <laughs> so she said, you know what, let me get you a meeting with the chief creative officer. And I said, okay, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to make sure not to waste his time because this is a man who has created pretty much every Apple ad ever, including like the 1984 no Hammer ad, every, uh, the Mac versus PC campaigns, wow. uh, the every iPhone launch, um, what is it, the, the iPod silhouettes, like just every iconic Apple ad. I was like, I'm not about to waste this man's time. Nope. <laughs> so for about a week, I slept like three hours a night and just dug through my archive of writing. And I pulled out like blog post entries. I had like a dating blog at the time. I just pulled out like emails that I'd written that I thought like, oh, this shows my writing style, um, my poetry that I've just written in my bedroom. I uh, sourced briefs from different projects like just asked, you know, other friends in account management, hey, can you hand me, uh, can you send me a copy of that brief or da 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 da, like an iPhone or iPad campaign, and then I wrote my own script to it, made this edit from like uh, holiday vacation footage, and then recorded my voice over over it, and um, just put a package in. together of like this is my portfolio, my you know my non ad school portfolio. <laughs> I love wait, I just got to pause because. That's you. Dug, what I love is you dug through literally, you said every piece of writing I've ever done. And it wasn't just yeah. ad stuff. And you were just like, I want to show no, you all no. that I can do. And that you made a portfolio basically out of your life's writing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it out of my life's writing. It had not like none of it was advertising related mm -hmm. except for the stuff that it was based. I created my own spec work, but none of it was advertising related. That's really amazing. You know, I got you know, shout out to you for following those voices. Most, most, <laughs> most people are just like, get out of here. But that's like, you really put it in. Like I said, you. what I love about it is you put, you didn't just put like what you thought would be professional, right? You put yourself hmm. into that by putting your poetry in emails, right? Who would ever put an mm. email in like their portfolio to show any chief creative officer but especially like one that created all the iconic apple work mm -hmm. but you just were like you know it's interesting and i'm gonna let you get to it but i i have been noticing like you've been living in your bigness for a while <laughs> like you were basically like this is, here is me here's me yeah like take me, me or leave me it wasn't take my advertising work or take my you know the skills i have in the past it was like this is this is this is who you're getting you're getting all of jazz, emails, poems, you know, spec work, everything. And again, going back to MAPE and, and Most Promising and, and Futures, that's what I, I don't know if I would have been able to, to step into that bigness if it wasn't for those foundations because I didn't know what was accepted in the industry. I didn't know that, you know, looking back now, advertising talks all the time about, you know, disruption and chaos and being different and pulling from non-advertising. But at the time, I didn't know that. I thought, well, I need to survive and I need, I, don't, I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have a fallback. <laughs> yeah. So... I think because, um, yeah, listening to all those conversations about how how um, needed we are as people of color in the advertising industry, how needed we are, I realized, well, if if they're saying that I'm needed, I can't show up as someone else because that's mm. not what they need. 
they they need me to show up as Wait. me. So you got to say that again. Yeah, they that, need me to show up as me. And for anyone listening, they need you to show up as you, even if it's, it seems different, even if you haven't seen anyone do it before, even if it feels uncomfortable or you don't know how it's going to be received, you need to show up as you. I'm just going to let that sink in. <laughs> because it, 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 it is so true and it, speaks very much to you know I, I just moved to netflix and i tell people they're like well how i'm like i literally showed up to the interview as me i didn't care what you were gonna think about it i was just like mm. you're getting me and whether or not like you want it like at least i know i showed up as me so like that powerful mm. um we're gonna take a step back and carl don't you think that even in especially in the diversity equity inclusion industries or the in the practice as practitioners we we have no choice but to show up as us because our lived experience is what helps make things better the insight that we have in our lived experiences as people of i say non-dominant instead of minority because there's nothing minor about us but as people of non-dominant identities we have so much wisdom just from the conversations we've had, the people we've grown up with, the foods that we've eaten, the interests that we have, all of that. So that is like, that's, that's, I, I applaud you showing up as yourself too. And huge congrats on this move. Cause it's so like for someone like me, who's, you know, I'm still, I'm still building my diversity, equity, inclusion career. I look at someone like you, like, whoa, you're at Netflix. Like Netflix is one of the biggest, it is the biggest streaming service in the world, putting out some of the most incredible content and you're shaping that. Like that is powerful. Thank you. Uh, it, it is powerful. There's a lot of opportunity is overwhelming but this isn't about me <laughs> it's about you but i but i'm taking that in because you're you're right and i think you know i, I want to throw in, i want to add in also it's it's our lived experience it's also our ancestors lived experience yeah. mm. as well because that does listen that carries with us to this day it helps shape it has helped shape who we are who we, who we will become i always you know, remember um, that quote is like, I am my ancestor's wildest dream. Yep. Right. And that yep. resonates so much because there's some of us who are never even, it's not even our wild, their wildest dreams. Like it's something they never imagined possible. Never. For, never. for me, I can't imagine my great, great grandparents thinking that I would be working at the largest streaming service. First off, what's a streaming service with the potential to impact, you know, hundreds of millions and billions of people out there. With this, I think you're you're so right because what what I learned in my journey as a as a practitioner of equity, diversity, and inclusion, and I told this to somebody today, was that until you find who you are in this, but who you are, and and bring that to the space, like I spent the vast majority of my career just being like, oh, this is what I was taught to do. This you just go along, you, you do the sponsorships, you do the programs, you do the trainings, and that's it. And then on my own journey. It was kind of like, oh, wait a minute, that's not, that's not me anymore. That's not, that was never me. Mm, yep. But now I need to do me. And once I made that kind of conscious decision, like things just started shifting. So you're absolutely we're, right. We're born from the resilience of our ancestors. We're born from the resilience of the mothers before us, of the people who paved the way, the people who have fought for liberation, mm -hmm. the, the black and brown folks, the queer folks, all these people who have paved the way for us to be doing the work that we're doing now. So that is something to, it's all, and it, and you're right in that it's, it lives in us. There's a book called my grandmother's hands and mm -hmm. it talks about how the trauma lives in our body. And that's for, that's for white folks too, because that's, all of the, the white white folks' ancestors also, the things that they've done also live in their bodies too. And we're seeing that manifest as all of these diseases. So we're, it's, I think 
what I'm also seeing lately is um, a lot of wellness practices and healing practices being incorporated into the space of diversity, equity, inclusion, mm-hmm. because we're realizing that it's it's hard to talk about race and um, and equity without talking about without talking about trauma too. Of course not, and I think that's mm-hmm. it's interesting because as the whole practice moves into this space, and it, it couldn't not, especially what happened in all of 2020. Yep. Right. We could, and I I see it now more clearly, but in, especially in my experience in advertising, we just talked around it. We never actually went down deep into the center, right? And use certain things which are still needed and important, right? MAPE, Ackler Futures, MPMS. Yes, please still support those. They are needed. There's so much more deeper work that's needed to address that stuff because that trauma lives every day yes and it doesn't doesn't it does not like it stops at the metaphorical four walls of an agency or a company Mm -hmm. or business and then you just walk in it's like oh it's a whole different world and we've seen so much more of that now that i mean i can't tell you how much like i've heard in my brief time at netflix so many conversations about you know what's happening with mental health how do we address this It's, Mm. it's, it's a real thing health wellness trauma are real things that everyone's dealing with in some way shape or form especially now especially now because there is there's no more running from it there's no more no more numbing it there's no more talking around it and also the pandemic just revealed all the inequities Uh, or or put them under a microscope even more so than they were before and and then you know with all the protests that happened this summer too it was just i mean and i my heart broke for uh, all the people who were going to work acting like they weren't breaking down, mm. trying to act like, you know, oh, I just have to, I have to go to this client meeting, which was one of the reasons why I had to uh, transition out of the uh, copywriting space because I couldn't hide how I came to work or how I was feeling when I came to work. If something happened, I would want to talk about it and I would want to want it to be addressed. I couldn't, um, I couldn't act like all was well cause it wasn't. And then it bothered me a lot when my coworkers who didn't have similar values or weren't, you know, their newsfeed didn't look the same. They they were just, you know, it was just another day for them, but it wasn't another day for me. It wasn't another day for people that I knew. So there's, but I, I, I'm really hopeful at the, um, at how people are addressing trauma and, and really understanding how to embody liberation instead of just intellectualizing it. Yeah. Embodying that. I mean, you, you brought me back. I think everybody, I'm going to take it back a few steps, has that moment where they walk into work, not everybody, but I would say as, so I, you call them, uh, what, what did people you People of non-dominant People of identities. non-dominant identities. I like, I, I, li- I heard the term this, this uh, summer in this coaching course that I was doing called um, equity seeking communities Ooh. as well, which I like. Love that. But I think everyone from, no matter what you call it, all those communities has had that moment where they walk into work and it's everybody's acting like it's a normal day. Everyone else is acting like it's a normal day, except for all those communities. And you're all looking at it like, no one's going to say anything? Really? No one's going to say mm-hmm. anything. And we saw what happened at Wyden a few years ago, right, with a letter um, that one of their black employees wrote. Um, I remember vividly when that happened to me when I was at the 4As. Um, mm-hmm. And it it just surfaces a lot. And, right, and it, I bring it back to the fact it's like it really makes you embody that it's, it doesn't live just in your head anymore. It flows throughout no. everything. And it's psychosomatic. It. It's a, yeah, it's, it's your, the, what we think and the, the feelings, the thoughts we have influences physical reactions. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, that's, that's the anxiety. That's the heart racing. That's the heaviness. That's the fatigue. That's the, all the symptoms of burnout. So I think that, and, and yeah, that's what I, I've been studying a lot of that lately embodiment. I'm in a, um, in a, in a four or five week, um, decolonizing the body course. Mm-hmm. 
And it's, Mm. I I realized I'd spent so many years intellectualizing race, intellectualizing equity, intellectualizing what liberation means without embodying it. Well, so much of it is internalized oppression. So much of it is me getting in my own way because of how I've been conditioned and programmed to shrink, to not speak up, to not have boundaries, to always be in fear of losing something. So I'm not able to live in alignment and the fullness of who I am. So I'm, I'm working, I'm currently working on that on, and on embodying. And that means really understanding how I can feel at home in my body again. Feeling at home in your body, you just touched upon my what we like to call our, our coach's presence, which mine has all to do with about being home with a capital H and mm. what that means for people. But that's for another time. Um, because mm. we, we've and I don't I, this, I mean, of course, we we're gonna dive deep at any point, but I want to continue because like you made you, you mentioned like what you realized you had to get out of being you know the copywriting space. Mm-hmm. right again listening to that voice living in that bigness already right what was that like so i know i'm gonna i'm gonna skip forward a little bit because you went from tbwa you went over to a night came back to new york we welcomed you back with open arms <laughs> and you started working at anomaly mm-hmm. copywriter and then you know you said you had to get out what made you one realize that and i think we kind of touched on that a little bit but also like how did you know what you wanted to create Mm. in that space well speaking of the body my body told me my body told me very very clearly and I went so when I first came to New York New York is is very hard on newcomers in that you know it's right everyone says the first year is the hardest the second year is really hard and then it gets a little easier Uh, But it'll still be, it's still a city that pushes you to your absolute limits, chews you up, then spits you back out. And I think it was a mixture of being in New York and, you know, just, I was also burning out. I was working a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, And it's, and I finally went to go seek help um, for my mental health, went to go see a therapist for the first time and a psychiatrist. I took a bunch of tests. I finally got diagnosed after having symptoms since I was seven with major depressive disorder, general anxiety disorder, and attention deficit disorder, and thought, oh my gosh, this is why I've been having so much trouble at work because I have different needs. I'm neurodivergent. And, and even that term, like, I didn't know, you know, neurodiversity, neurodivergent, that wasn't something people were really talking about. So I just thought, well, I'm just not meant for this job, I guess. Like, I'm not strong enough or smart enough or creative enough to be a copywriter, I guess. So then I... I think like so many people at at that five to seven year mark, a lot of, especially people of color, I wanted to leave and I was like, well, I'll, I guess I'll just go freelance because that seems like a step that a lot of people are taking. And I guess I'll do that and, and, you know, try to figure myself out. But I don't think this is, I don't think I want to, you know, work as a copywriter and work on campaigns and on these timelines anymore. So I almost left and then I had a really good relationship with the creative recruiter there. Um, She's just really, really just super kind soul that really listens to people and what they need. So um, I, I was talking to her and she was like, well, what would, what would it make you stay? What, what can we do? And I said, well, okay, let me think about it then. Let me think about it. I didn't know that was an option. (laughs) So I thought, okay, well, I've been doing adjacent work in diversity, equity, inclusion for a while now, right? I've been, you know, doing initiatives at Media Arts Lab. I I put together their first like year long plan and put together, you know, an internal internal initiatives, external initiatives, a whole budget. I worked with the HR team over there. I had, you know, put together panels and, and events and stuff at Anomaly during the year I was there. So people kind of already knew me as Jez really likes to talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) Jez really cares about this because I would always raise my hand. I'd always always. be like, Hey, (laughs) 
side note that at one point, actually someone put in my review, Jez likes to wave the diversity flag, which was like a very problematic way of saying that I really care about these. Yeah. I mean, that's like a good thing, issues. right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't it supposed to be? But. Right. Yeah. But so um, I think it was around the time that I was first learning about manifesting, which has become such a buzzword now, but really manifesting to demystify it is just wanting something, believing that you can have it and then taking the steps towards it. So I just wrote down on a piece of paper, what is my dream role? What, what would I do if I could do anything? If I could get paid to do anything, based off of, you know, what I like to do and the skills I have, what I do. So I said, you know, I really like speaking. I really like um, educating myself and then disseminating that information. I really love connecting with people about, um, you know, purpose, uh, topics around purpose and topics about building a better future. I love creating new pathways and avenues and pipelines, especially for creators, underrepresented creators, creators who have historically been underserved and overlooked. And I realized, well, what I want to ex- what I want to do doesn't exist yet because I want to combine the fields of of creativity, what I learned, and you know, in strategy and and copywriting as a creative, and I want to merge that with, you know, the practice of building equity strategically, um, initiatives, partnerships, projects, and I also want to infuse some, you know, some personal development and tools and tools about you know, how to take care of yourself about like self-care really. Cause I was learning how to do that after being diagnosed with these mental health conditions. So I realized, and I was seeing, so really, I feel like I built a role around what I wanted to do and how I could best serve people who were not being served. I mean, you want to take on a lot. <laughs> yeah. So again, I mean, you listen to those voices that were saying, girl, do it all. Do it, do it all. Just do it all. <laughs> yeah, and so like wh- when you when you approached Anomaly with this, mm-hmm. like, were they like, "Whoa, no, 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 that's the Je- come on, Jess, that's a lot. You, <laughs> you sure you want to do all that? Like maybe just stay a copywriter?" Or did they were they like, "Yeah, come on, do it all, yeah." Like how how did they re- wow. receive that? Because that's that's pretty radical. Like you know, yeah, f- for someone to come and be like, "Hey, I want to do all of this for your company right now." Yeah. <laughs> I was the so the deck that I had put together to pitch this role it was pretty I mean big pies in the sky like moonshot and okay. so I think they See, there, they there did, you go living in your bigness exactly right? right exactly true true there we go and I think that they probably I don't know the conversations they had you know when I wasn't there but they were probably like okay we're gonna need to reel her in a little bit. And make sure that <laughs> that we're very clear on what this role entails. So, um, I mean, I had a meeting with the um, the head of talent at the time. She was super receptive to to things because I think I positioned it as here's what uh, here's what anomaly needs. You know, you don't have someone leading these initiatives, and also there are some problems because these problems are industry wide. They're actually, mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're really like global, you know systemic, culture, but they're yeah. industry wide problems. So um, I I think they they kind of went and had their own meetings, and then put together you know clear list of roles and responsibilities, and then you know we we created that. As um, so, the first ever uh, my official title was diversity and engagement lead, but uh, it was really you know diversity, equity, inclusion lead. Okay, so basically you you listen to those voices, you manifest, mm-hmm. you create a dope ass deck, and then you <laughs> let the powers that be you know kind yeah. of figure it out from there, and you get you get your dream job. Yeah, right, the job you 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 really were meant to do. You yeah. maybe didn't know you wanted all the time, but that mm-hmm. you were meant to do. Yep. Okay. So now that's all said and done. And now you're out here, you're taking, you're taking this course on the embodiment. You're, what are you up to these days and how, and how does all that play in? Well, so when the, when the pandemic hit and the world just, you know, shifted. That's putting it lately. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The world flipped over, turned around, took everyone around. (laughs) 
I was, I was shaken with it, you know, mm. like everyone. And what, as the world changed, what I wanted changed with it. And I realized that, okay, well, if I've always been driven by this desire to build equity before I even learned the vocabulary to, you know, name that. And if this pandemic is highlighting the inequities that we're facing, you know, black and brown people are dying at disproportionate rates. Asian Americans are being, you know, just violently attacked on the street and scapegoated for this virus. There's, you know, I saw so many friends being laid off without robust savings account. And I realized, okay, well, and on top of that, again, my body started telling me, my body was telling me, this isn't where you're supposed to be. Your vision is different. Your vision is not aligning with what you're doing. It's time for a change. And I tried to say, no, 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 Jez, be grateful for what you have. Mm. You've got a job in this pandemic. Don't try to, you know, sh- don't try to shake things up even more. You don't need any more change in your life. I think I just realized, though, that there's so much more at stake than I thought. And what I am called to do is something that I can't do at a company, a single company anymore. And I realized I can't delay my dreams anymore. It's, I cannot delay my dreams. So I said, you know what? Okay, revolutionary times. This is a modern day revolution. Revolutionary times call for revolutionary measures. It's time to resign. And, um, you know, speaking of coaching, I signed up with a, um, I signed up with this, you know, six month course with the life alignment coach. His name is Didier Sylvain. He's incredible. I found him through Heal House, which is a wellness space for people of color. And I worked with him to map out my life from like past, you know, present. What are my, what are my biggest dreams? What are my, um, what is, what does my heart want? What do I, what do, what is my purpose? What are my superpowers? What are my gifts? What is the thing? What is the constant theme in my life? And what am I, what am I keeping myself from? And what patterns am I stuck in? What is my new choice? Was his, his, he kept saying like, what, what choice do you have? So I said, well, it's, it's time to leave. It's time to leave and it's time to do my own thing and build my own practice and really invest in myself um, in ways that I haven't before and take the leap and take the leap on my own. So I did that in September. I resigned on September 11th. That's why I'll never forget it. On September okay. 11th, 2020, I resigned from my job and then I pursued my calling in in being a poet, philosopher, performer, <laughs> facilitating cultural transformations in creative communities. I, lo- I love the three Ps. That is that is an amazing story. One that I actually uh, resonates a lot with me because I have a similar path to how I got to where I am, where it was like I woke up one day and the first thing I thought was like, you can't do this here anymore. Mm. And you need to go. And it, it was, it was on, you reminded me because it was on... Um, June 19th of 2020, mm. Juneteenth. And mm-hmm. so was, I'm never going to forget that day because I literally decided to set myself free mm. to be able to go find a place, whether that was myself or at a company that was more aligned to where I was at the time. And so, I mean, it goes back to like listening, embodying it, listening to those voices, listening to your whole being because your body tells you stuff you don't even know. Yes. Right? That we don't have the vocabulary, don't have the vocabulary for it Yes. Yet. And if you just, if we all just took a moment and said, like, what is happening? And we used to do it a lot, right? Before yeah. we had phones, computers, and, you know, everything to tell us where to go and what to do and how to think. And, you know, what's, before we had all that, we used to, again, right? Because we were talking about our ancestors. It lives within us. It's still there that just, like, we just listen to our bodies more, right? It would help us find the way. And I think that's what um, your the, the coach that you had was really telling you to do. Yeah. Like listen to, and you've been doing it, right? I'm, I'm hearing you this whole time, like live in your biggest, listen to those voices, listen to your body, right? And make those moves. So it, it, that just really connected with me. I'm mm. sure it connected with some other folks out there. Mm. Right as well. Because when when we bet on ourselves, the universe delivers. Mm. 
When we invest in ourselves, the universe pays us back. And it's something that's always, you know, taking its, I also say, and I said this after I learned this lesson after I took this uh, seven week freestyle rhyme and <laughs> rhyme and improv course. You're taking all the course, like all the courses and <laughs> everywhere, courses. anything. You're like, I'll sign up, I'll do it. I'll sign up because I realized they come back so, like, you know, tenfold. So I took a, um, a seven week course with Freestyle Love Supreme. And after that, I realized. I was so afraid of stepping into that, you know, performer part of myself, that storyteller part of myself. And then I realized, oh, I deserve to feel the other side of my fears. I deserve to feel the other side of my fears. And if you're listening and that resonates with you, I hope you can say that aloud with me. I deserve to feel the other side of my fears. I deserve to feel the other side of my fears. Yes. 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 And I think it goes back to, you know, we, we often, if we just listen to our body, we understand that our fears do have two sides. There's the side that we're maybe told that fear is supposed to give us. And then there's the other side of that where it could lead us to an amazing place. And I think uh, that that is, you know, you need to keep dropping these. Let me just let me just sit back, and let you keep <laughs> dropping this knowledge on us. Go go ahead. I'm going to write it all down. Just just go whatever you got. Oh, I got it. You know too. what? It's also top of mind because I'm currently working on a book, and so I have like index cards of all of these, you know, lessons, <laughs> life lessons, just plastered on my wall. So that's why they're like really easily accessible right now too. Yeah, I got you know, you're on time. You're never late. You're on time always. Your life is always on time. <laughs> I said you can do it your way. You can do it what? You can do it your way. You don't have to do it their way. You don't have to do it the way that's been done before. You can do it your way. So Go yeah, on. that's why I'm I'm writing the book and it's like all kind of flowing out. Okay, <laughs> listen. Listen listen to those voices. Let it flow. Let it flow. This is this has been great. So the and I mean, we could talk about this for days, right? <laughs> and but there's one, and uh, you probably just dropped a couple. So maybe maybe find that one on the wall that that makes the most sense for this. That just mm-hmm. really pops out to you because we're doing this thing where give it give you sixty seconds if you need it mm-hmm. to leave the listeners with that one gem, one thing you want to leave them with, right? So look at that wall. Pick the one that makes sure nothing gets left unsaid. Leave everything out on the table. What do you want to leave the listeners with today? You've already left them with a lot, and I thank you for that. What is that one last final gem you want to leave them with? So speaking of embodiment, for anyone's listening, and Carl, you too, while we're here, if we'll just do a little exercise, a 60-second exercise in embodiment. Let's go. So wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, I invite you to sit with your spine a little straighter than maybe you were sitting with before, with your shoulders back, sitting in your bigness, in the fullness of your body, letting that life force go from the bottom of your spine to the top tip of your head. Think of a light shining from that spine all the way connecting to everything that is above us and around us. Taking a deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. And taking that breath like it's your only job right now. Like this is the only thing that you have to do. And continuing to take those breaths, paying attention to any sensations in the body that might be calling your attention. Maybe it's something in your heart asking to be listened to. Maybe it's something in your arms telling you to loosen up, to rest. Maybe it's something in your gut telling you 
that there's a decision to be made and to listen to what that gut is saying. Or maybe it's just calming the waves that are crashing through your mind. Whatever it is, as you pay attention to that, I invite you to repeat these affirmations with me. And Carl, if you'd like to repeat them too. Let's go. I meet every challenge with courage. I meet every challenge with courage. I am born from the resilience of ancestors before me. I am born of resilience of ancestors before me. And lastly, my destination is in my restoration. My destination is in my restoration. And that last affirmation being, no matter what, our job is always to care for ourselves because when we care for ourselves and invest in our emotional well-being and our emotional liberation, everything else falls into place the way it's meant to. Thank you for doing that exercise with me. (laughs) It was my pleasure. and I hope everybody else is going to take away a lot from that. And Jess, I know this, we we, we probably got to get you back to do some more of those with everybody, right? A little little, series, series, (laughs) right? (laughs) Affirmations with Jess. Yes. (laughs) This has been an enlightening, uplifting, inspiring conversation. I thank you for taking the time to share your story, your voices, everything you're learning about embodiment with us, with the world. I cannot wait. I mean, you said you just started building your own practice. I can't wait to see how it develops. Thank you, Carl. And thank you for having me. Thank you for everyone in this community. And it's it's an honor to do this work. It's an honor to do this work and to be in conversation with you. I feel the same way. Thank you. We'll see everybody here.